Hey, welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast, and I am ready to do some ranting and raving, although I am going to try to keep myself as controlled as possible and be as open-minded, I guess, as possible, but uh, we have quite the doozy here, and I've it's, it actually caused me to do something that I've never done before because something was just, I don't know, some of these points that were being glossed over and some of these things that I was thinking, okay, surely... The next paragraph, you know, the next, you know, the, the next point, the next concept that's going to be talked about will be this. However, this was never addressed and it, it just was never made a point of at all. It just continued to be talked about and kind of thrown out there. And it, to me, it was just a, a glaring issue, but it was never addressed, which caused me to actually uh, do a little bit more digging into the author of the article. Now, when I say digging, I mean, it took me about two seconds with a quick Google search and then found their LinkedIn profile and going through it. And then, ah, okay, yeah, this makes so much more sense. And um, I guess there's maybe a little bit of a learning lesson, more so probably, I mean, yeah, it's a learning lesson now that I think about it out loud, but always remember to, I'm not saying you have to go and Google everything you know that you hear about, but just remember there is, an angle, there is probably a bias that is coming from an article that you are reading about. And I realize I don't think that's true. I, I would hope that's you realize that. I mean, certain sites are okay, well, that's left leaning or that's right leaning or that's supposed to be, you know, moderate or whatever. But uh, in this situation, yeah, it really kind of fits perfectly into how this was all being portrayed and, and come across. And just you always got to remember that any sort of uh, opinion piece or really any article, you, you got to just kind of make sure that you understand the point of view where things are coming from. Perfect example, this entire podcast is coming from the point of view of trying to help you build wealth, trying to help you, you know, gain control of your finances and just kind of take a viewpoint on life, take an approach to life that is that is going to get you to where you want to go. And then the other alternative to all that is I do offer training courses on how I approach life, how I approach my personal finances. You know, I have a real estate investing course. So yeah, at the core core, my, you know, now I just like to get on here and rant and rave, but the, you know, the other core in full transparency is, hey, I'm running a business here too. And if I can, you know, kind of get, if, if we can find that we're on the same page and you agree with me and you like my style, then yeah, if you would then choose to purchase one of my courses and invest in one of the programs I offer, that is awesome. So that is definitely kind of one of my motives for doing all this, other than the fact of I just kind of like to you know, rant and rave and now over, I think I've been doing this for over a year now, but the, the feedback I've gotten from several of you, uh, it, it's cool to know that people do listen to this and are like, hey, thanks, you, you, you kind of changed my viewpoint on that and, and, and that's awesome. But yeah, we'll get to that author thing in a little bit, but the name of the article, from MarketWatch, the grim reality of millennials who rely on their parents for money. I pay for lunch at work and I pay for my Netflix account. And first off, this is not gonna be bashing on millennials. Uh, I was hesitating, should I even read the word millennials? Because, um, but it is in the, it is in the, the title of the article. So I, I figured I probably should read it if I'm gonna be quoting this article. But the point here is not to bash millennials. The point is just, to kind of look at some of these mentalities and look at these mindsets and just say, I mean, I think we can do better than that. I think that society, you know, can do better. But you know what? If society can't do better, I know you can do better. 
And if you do do better than what these kind of baselines are and these arguments, then you are apparently setting yourself ahead of quite a few people, including parents. And the parent thing, given a little context, if you're not familiar, I have four young children. So whenever I see, you know, parents and, you know, statistics referring to parents, you know, uh, let's see, my daughter Joy is what, seven now? So eight years ago, I would just always gloss over the parents. Yeah, whatever, I'm not a parent. It, that doesn't really strike me out. But now that I am a parent, um, and even if you're not a parent, I mean, these are the things, and, and you uh, would like to become a parent someday, these are still some of the, you know, benchmarks that will be existing for you out there. And in this case, apparently I am a, a freak of nature as a parent. Maybe I am just being way too ambitious. I don't know, but I'll get to that stat later. But point here being, this is not to, to you know, bash millennials. It's just to kind of bash, if you will, not really bash, but just critique, offer an eternal uh, alternative uh, viewpoint to some of these, uh, you know, just frames of reference that are being kind of portrayed via the article here. So the subheader of the article, why it's time to cut millennials some slack over their financial dependence on their parents. Again, not millennials, just, you know, why it's time to cut, you know, slack to those who are financially, you know, dependent on their parents. So picking up the article here, like many people her age, 28, 28 year old writer, Christine lives with her parents. It's both embarrassing and a necessity, she told Market Watch. See right there, there's little things that matter. Is it really a necessity? Um, first off, yeah, I'm, I'm glad she's embarrassed uh, because embarrassment is a great motivator to change a situation. Um, I mean, when <laughs> when I've walked into um, glass doors before because I thought it was like an open window entrance, that's very embarrassing. But you know what? Ever since that moment I did it, and I still remember turning around, my dad was just looking at me kind of laughing like, Clay, how did you not see that? But that was very, very embarrassing when it happened in public. And, and now I have never forgotten that. I always make sure, okay, is that really an open entrance or is that just a big old glass thing? I mean... I never claim to be very smart, but uh, embarrassing is a great teacher. Embarrassing, embarrassment is a great motivator. But a necessity, are you sure it's a necessity? To me, as soon as you say or start to think that, well, you know, this is just necessary. No, you're, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself into a situation. Surely you're taking away the power of just thinking of a solution. Because if you default to, well, it's, it's a necessity. Well, if it's a necessity, then therefore... That pretty much says, well, so therefore there's nothing I can do about it. Um, and then you never really think of a solution. But let's think about that word and remember that word necessity. So picking back up, picking back up, I am an only child. So it's just my parents and me at home, she said. Anything communal, family cell phone bill, cable, food at home, family vacations, my parents will pay for it. But I pay for lunch at work and I pay for my Netflix. Okay, Netflix, oh, and you, you pay for your lunch at work. You know, I, I really, and I'm not trying to bash, uh, what's your name, Christine, but if, if you're 28 years old and you still need lunch money from your parents, um, I mean, there's some things that need to be improved upon, okay? There's some things that uh, maybe can be changed around because, you know, this is no longer elementary school where, you know, mom and dad need to be giving you lunch money. Um, and family cell phone bill, food at home, family vacations. I mean, family vacations, 
I guess that kind of depends, but I, I know a lot of people where their parents, you know, they take their, their broader family and their kids. So I, I, I mean, I don't really find that too goofy. I think sometimes parents, that's just, I mean, that's a goal of mine. I, one day I would love to be able to take uh, my kids. And then, uh, you know, if I'm blessed with grandkids on a vacation. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily see that as an issue. I think that's, I don't want to, I don't know if the word common is right, but I, I know lots of people that will say, Hey, family, you know, vacation, you know, mom and dad's treat. And okay. But I mean, I, 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 if your justification is, but, and then after the, but is, well, but I pay for my lunch at work and I pay for my Netflix. Again, think back to that word. It's a necessity. She lives at home, but she's paying for Netflix. Maybe that'll get addressed though, because to me, there's a little bit of a disconnect right there. The article goes on to say, she's got plenty of company. Despite a decade long expansion and record low unemployment, studies suggest that between 60% and 70% of 18 to 34 year olds rely on their parents for financial assistance. Okay, so here we are. It's uh, record low unemployment, and now all of a sudden, but they still have to reply on their parents. But most young Americans don't agree with Christine's confessed embarrassment. Okay, that's not a good sign. That's why I said, that is the one thing where I gave Christine some credit. At least she was embarrassed. Hopefully that would be a motivator. Um, but it sounds like most people wouldn't agree with her to be embarrassed. So this is according to a study released uh, this week by TD Ameritrade. And when I say this week, uh, as a reference point, this article was put out on July 19th of uh, 2019. So it's, so it's quite new. Um, let's see here. So participants in the, excuse me, going back up there, though roughly half of younger millennials and Generation Z members expect to be financially dependent in their early 20s, according to the new study. And over 90, here's the thing that's for me, and over 90% of parents surveyed expect their kids to be financially independent by the age of 25. Previous research suggests those are optimistic goals. Why is that optimistic? I mean, I don't understand, to me, I think that's great, but still age 25, I mean, I, I get it, 25, but if you go to, you know, get a four-year degree, and, you know, I was on the five-year plan, so, I mean, let's say you, you go to, to age 23, but even, I mean, I, I was married my last year of college, so I wasn't even financially dependent on my parents, um, but like I said, as a parent, I, 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 my, I fully plan for, for my children to be definitely before the age of 25 seems, seems late, especially if they don't even go to college and they learn a trade. So that means you're out in the work workforce at age 18, then yeah, by age 25, why wouldn't they be? Now, I, I suppose there's some exceptions out there if they were to come to me, um, now they're not going to call it a business plan, but I, I would look at it and they present me with a business plan. Hey dad, Hey mom, can I, can I live here because of X, Y, and Z? And I'm going to, you know, pay for all of these. But the reason I would like to stay here under your roof is because of, you know, this, that, and the other, and they have a well mapped out business plan. Then that that's like I said, a unique situation where it's not total freeloading. It's not total. Just, I don't really have a plan for life. So I'm just going to sit here and I'm gonna live at home. So like I said, apples and oranges, I will never say that, what, you're 23, you're 24, you're 25, and you still live with your parents? Like I said, I, I'm not gonna make judgments because I do understand all situations are unique, but there are some things that are going on which I which I, I, I struggle with, and um, 
you know, we'll get to those. But like I said, there, there's always a unique situation. But for me, I would expect a business plan. I would expect I would expect a structured pathway um, of you know here I am now and there's where I want to get and if I'm living at home where I want to get becomes uh, more efficient and more realistic because and then fill in the blank they have a bunch of reasons on you know how the numbers work out to me all right now we're talking business now we can potentially uh, you know uh, now we can potentially you know look forward but Clay they're your kids what do you mean talking business yes they are my kids and I love them very much and the greatest gift I can give them is to realize that, you know what, life is business, life is numbers, life is about having a plan. And that's my gift to them is, well, hopefully one of the gifts, I wanna give them more time, but you get the idea, right? I don't want them to just sit there and be like, well, I, I really, don't. no, you need to know. You need to know and show me you need to know because guess what, when I'm long gone, that ability, that skill set to structure a plan, to look at numbers, to actually think critically, and when I say think critically, I'm not talking about like, so it's time to do some calculus. It's time to do some trigonometry. No, I just put together a plan. I want to get there. So how can I get there? And, and let's look at some numbers. So, I mean, yeah, but to think that 90% are, are, you know, expect their kids. I mean, they're giving them to age 25. I don't know. To, to me, I think, I think parents can do better than that. I think you can, especially if you help guide and dare I say, parent your kids along the way then 25 seems kind of late. Um, but picking back up, participants in the TD Ameritrade online survey of more than 3,000 people conducted by Harris were grouped into three categories. Generation Z, which is ages 15 to 21, young millennials ages 22 to 28, and parents age 30 to 60. <laughs> so in this study, I'm officially a parent. I'm not even, I'm just a parent. I'm getting old, but I guess that's okay. So for all groups, for all those groups, reality can be the enemy of aspiration. Christine aimed, so Christine is that person that needs to pay for Netflix and is embarrassed. Christine aimed to move out of her parents' place located within a 30-minute commute of New York City by 25, but lost her job. She began freelancing and paying a New York rent without a dependable paycheck did not seem possible without some assistance. So now she's, so now she has a steady job but it's an hourly wage and it's much less than what I was making in the job I had when I was 22, she said. So she lost her job. And I, you know, I, I, I guess I don't really know, but do you need to work in New York City or the surrounding area where the cost of living is insane in order to be a, a freelance writer or become a writer? Like I said, maybe, maybe that's part of the gig, um, but I mean, to me, why, why can't you uh, to, to move someplace where the cost of living is a little cheaper and, and do the freelance stuff from home? I mean, I, I, I would assume it only takes internet. But again, I, I do uh, proclaim, and I'm not going to die. I don't have any experience in how you would make a name for yourself or what you would need to do as a freelance writer. Um, but I don't know. that when, when I see this stuff, and it's like, okay, and now you live in New York City. You know, we're, we're like a hot dog is five bucks. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. To me, she seems to be leveraging the situation against herself. Picking back up, for millennials who are fi financially relying on their parents and or still live with them, there doesn't appear to be much associated shame. Well, and like I said, embarrassment usually is a good motivator. But here, no, no not much associated shame. And fortunately, the TD Ameritrade survey found both parents regard each other as friends with 63% of millennials saying their mom and dad are their best friends and 77% of their parents feel in the same way. I mean, I'm not gonna, that's good. At least it's not like destroying child and parent parental uh, relationships. Although 
I don't know, this probably makes me sound a little harsh or old school, but I'm not really my parent or I'm not really my kid's friend. I'm my parent's like advisor, you know, and, and, and you know, pathway guide, if you will. Of course, I love them more than anything. I will gladly step in front of a train or a bullet for them, but I'm not really there to be their friend. I'm there to be kind of their coach and say, hey, listen, I, I love you real, I love you a lot. So because I love you a lot, this is how you make the most of life, or this is how I'm trying to make the most of life. Um, and I make mistakes. I'm by no means perfect, but you know what? You know, this is how you should approach certain situations. That's kind of, you know, the relationship that I care most about uh, because that's that's how I was raised. I can't say like, I was raised when my, my dad was my best friend. No, I mean, of, of course, we had a great relationship, but he was definitely there to correct me if I was wrong, offer guidance where I was maybe gonna be doing something stupid or maybe I did do something stupid. And you know, same with my mom. So, but maybe I'm just nitpicking there. But point being, at the end of the day, friends are not, that, that's good that these relationships are not like totally ripping apart homes or anything like that. Roughly 15% of millennials live with their parents up from 10% of Generation X members when they were in their 20s and 30s. The Pew, the Pew Research Center found at 30 said, Christine, I should probably figure it out. Yeah, I'd agree, Christine. At 30, you probably definitely... A long time ago, you should have figured it out, Christine, but that's okay. Until then, living with her parents has allowed her to save some money and do the work she wants to do. Okay, so she's trying to save money, I guess. <clears throat> Netflix. Um, and do what she wants to do. Okay, I've had a lot of conversation with my parents about the privilege of being able to pursue a career in journalism, she said. This isn't something I would be able to do if my parents didn't live near the city and I couldn't live without them. So she's, uh, she's not taking it for granted, so I, I give her full credit there. That, that's great. And then the next little kind of subheader of the article, student loans and rising rents don't help. Young people living off their parents' generosity in decades past may have been seen as freeloaders, but today parental help is seen more as a financial imperative. Financial help from your parents is an economic necessity for this generation. There's that word necessity again. Is it really a necessity Lindsay Pollack, the author of The Remix, How to Lead and Succeed in the Multi-Generational Workplace. Lindsay, with all due respect, I would never read your book if that's your mentality. When you are saying that you need to, it is, a it is a necessity for you to get financial help from your parents. This generation has been faced with the highest level of student loan debt in history. Over 40 million borrowers collectively owe 1.5 trillion in student loan debt. This is up from 600 million a decade ago. One in six of these borrowers has debt that's greater than his or her, her annual income, and the average borrower owes almost $30,000 upon college graduation. And whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Are, do you not know what your degree is going to pay? Do you not know what the job market for your degree is going to be? Do you not know what the loan amount is going to be? Are these like prices that colleges are charging you hidden? Is, is the job market like hidden from you? Especially in this day and age where so much information. I'm sorry, but this is like the worst example ever. Well, it's student loan debt. Yeah, if you go and get a degree in, you know, the and get a PhD in, you know, Slovakian beehive building, of course you're going to be struggling with student loan debt. Of course you're probably going to need to rely on your parents or rely on somebody else because guess what? That degree is not going to give you any sort of job market besides maybe becoming another payer 
uh, or excuse me, another teacher of Slovakian beehive building. So yeah, in those situations, it is a necessity, but did you actually need to do that? Was it actually something that, wow, that really caught me off guard? No, all the information was there. You could have done the research. You just didn't do the research because you wanted the college experience and you got yourself a worthless degree. So this is really, really, to start to throw in these as reasons why it's the case. Well, I get it, it's a reason why, but I mean, is it preventable? Yes, it's, it's very preventable. It, it's totally preventable to not have student loans be an issue. So this, uh, let's see, this wasn't the case three decades ago, Pollock said, um, and she's the author of this book. It's unfair to compare a 30-year-old today to one 30 years ago. You are, it is absolutely true because 30 years ago, Google didn't exist. High-speed internet didn't exist. Like you actually had to go to the library and, and try to dig through stuff. You had to use the newspaper. So yeah, you're right. It is not, it's just not fair. I mean, kids these days have so much research at their fingertips. I mean, literally you can pull out an object from your pocket and start to research. Is there a job market for Slovakian beehive builders? No, there isn't. Well, I probably shouldn't go $50,000 in debt then to get a degree in something that has no job market. So I, I do agree that there, it's not really, it's unfair to compare 30 year olds today compared to 30 years ago. She added, in the past 10 years alone, the number of borrowers who owe more, who who owe more than $100,000 has quadrupled. What does that have to do about anything? Yeah, I get it. College is more expensive, which is a whole nother talking point in terms of thanks government. Um, but so what that it's more expensive? You know, the thing that I, I see in these articles, I, I've never seen one of these situations where somebody's living at home, somebody's having to depend on their parents, and they're a nurse, they're an engineer, they're, you know, some sort, I mean, a dental hygienist. Have you ever looked at dental hygienist for a two-year degree? Two, I think, it, I, I guess, two to three years, and then you look at what they make for only a two-year degree at like a community college? Holy, Wow. I mean, that, that is something that will depend on the job market because my oldest is still only seven, um, but I, I will definitely be pushing, hey, let's look into some of those two-year degrees because two-year degrees at a community college and then you make what you make, not too shabby. But that's besides the point. I, I don't ever see those types of people in these articles. It's always people that go to some, you know, smaller, you know, some college and then they get a degree and it's just, okay. I mean, did you ever really do any sort of research in the job market? but I love to do it, that's fine. Then keep it as a hobby, but make sure you, especially if you're gonna go into debt, go into debt for something that will actually pay yourself back, it'll actually pay the bills. And you know, that a lot can be avoided here. So just, it's such, it's so, uh, it's a, a faulty premise to be blaming college loans and the rising cost of college on these situations. No, the problem is the person getting a degree. I mean, let's say that it was still just not even $100,000. Let's say it's $20,000 and you have a worthless degree. Who cares? I just cut the price of college by 80%. You still have a worthless degree. You're still gonna have to go get some other job that's not even in your career field to pay off that 20,000. So, I mean, it's, 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 kind of a, it's kind of weak sauce type argument. For the most part, meanwhile, the US economy is doing well. It's been growing for a record stretch of 121 months or more than a decade and the unemployment Unemployment rate recently hit its lowest point since 1969 at 3.7%. Despite these improvements, wages aren't moving much 
at least not in the right direction. Real wages have effectively declined by 0.8% in the past year, according to the Payscale Index. For who though? What wages? I mean, I, like I said, I, I've never seen one of these articles with some sort of engineer or some sort of nurse or some sort of, you know, insert blank where there's a good job market. It's people saying, I'm, I, I've never seen one of these articles from somebody saying, you know, I'm an electrician. You know what? I, I, I'm a builder. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a carpenter. I frame houses. I've never seen one of these articles for that. Do you know why? Because those are in-demand places and those people are making some good solid money. And you know what? Those wages have, have, have risen for sure. Those, those wages keep up with inflation, keep up with all that stuff. Why? Because they're actually in-demand jobs. They require skill. With all due respect, flipping burgers is, takes very little skill. Now, if you're using it and, as a means to an end, awesome. I commend you. If you're doing it as a high school student, awesome. I commend you. Well done. You are just, you're doing what you got to do. You're learning how to show up on time. I mean, that's great. But if you're 30 years old flipping a burger and you go, well, you know, my wages aren't keeping up. Well, you know what? It's called supply and demand. They don't need to raise your wages. Why? Because there's a bunch of other people that can do the exact same job. So go out there, learn a skill that is in demand. And guess what? You are now leveraging the labor market in your favor because now if they get rid of you, well, guess what? There's just not nearly as many people that can do whatever the skill is. And that can be plumbers, electricians, engineers, nurses, dental hygienists. Uh, you know, go out there, do some research. You, all you gotta do is pull the phone out of your pocket. You don't have to go to the library and start to see, you know, what are some high demand job career fields? And there you go. You're gonna start to find areas where you don't need to be focused on, well, my real wages haven't really been going up. Well, well yeah, well, what is your job? What exactly are you doing with your life? Then rent increases are outpacing wage increases. In San Francisco, the median monthly rent for a one-bedroom apartment is $36.90, according to uh, Zumper, Zumper. In New York City, it's $28.70. What does it have to do with anything? Why did this person, well, I know why, because I did a little research, but why are you picking like the most expensive job markets in the entire world? Not, I don't know about the world, but the country. San Francisco may be the most expensive, I, I'm pretty sure, in the entire country now. Um, and then New York City. Why, how about, can you, can you give like a Midwestern city that's not Chicago? Dear, I don't know, author, are you skewing some sort of statistics in your favor? Are you trying to justify something, author? Why in the world do you make a point about rising rents and then you go and pick like two of the most job or most expensive? Is it possible that you could maybe, these people could maybe move out of these high rent places? And again, this is not me just, well, Clay, that's easy for you to say. No, when my wife and I were married, we moved from Columbus, Ohio, where I graduated from Ohio State, to Kansas City, Missouri. No family there, nothing. And yes, our goal was always to get back to family. And my wife is from Michigan. That's why I'm now in Michigan. But, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you, you gotta just do what you gotta do. So that's what my wife and I did. We went, we moved away from every bit of family we have, we had no connections in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and I, I don't regret it for a second. I Kansas City, as far as I'm concerned, is the best city in the, 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 this country. Cheap cost of living, so much stuff to do. The barbecue, it is a great, great city. And you know what? It, it was rough to move away from family, but in hindsight, it was, it was one of the best decisions we made. So if there's a younger person listening, 
I, I assure you, I, I understand moving away from family and, and all that. It can be rough, but you know what? Go for it. There's no better teacher in life than having to actually live life on your own. And I mean, it, it'll create memories and yes, it's rough, but don't worry. There's cars, there's Skype, there's FaceTime on your phone. FaceTime didn't even exist when we were, when we did that, man, I'm getting old. And that wasn't actually that long ago. I guess it was about 10 years. Oh man, I am getting old. 10 years ago is when all that, but point being, give it a try. But again, using loans and then rising rents, and I get it, rising rents are true, but I mean, if you're gonna make your statistic based around San Francisco and New York City, that, that's kind of, that's weak. That's, that's a weak way of trying to justify things. While narrow majority, uh, while, while narrow majorities of Generation Z and millennial survey respondents predicted they'd ultimately fare better financially than their parents have, Jason Kirsch, the author of The Millennial Advantage and the president of Grow, a financial planning company for millennials, advises all of his clients to try to get as much money from their parents as possible. Awesome. Hey, you just suck your parents dry, all right? You just keep, the, keep your clamps on their budget. Even if they have a good job, the best possible financial decision they can make is asking their parents for money, either as a gift or as a loan, he said. What kind of mentality is this? Now, I get it. The more money, the better. But I mean, when you say even if they have a good job, the just still keep going. I, I realize, yes, that's the best possible financial decision because, well, that would just be more money. But I mean, that's like me saying, and the best possible financial you know what, you have a good job, go 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 rob a bank. No, I guess I get it. That's apples and oranges because your parents giving you money. There's no financial re or there's no legal repercussions in robbing a bank. But you get the mentality is even if you have a good job, still go and try to get as much money from your parents. That's that's such a what what is what is going on here? Who are authoring these books? No wonder why there's some of these mentalities that these kids have. And I say these kids like I'm some old grumpy guy. Maybe I am an old grumpy guy at this point. But are you kidding me? Hey, you know what? Your situation's good, but still go and get money from other people. No, if your situation is good at this point, hey, now you can help out with charity. Give it your church. Give it, you know, whatever. I mean, what are you talking about? You're still teaching dependency even when you concede. Even, and, and this is a quote, quote, even if they have a good job. The best possible financial decision they can make is asking their parents for money, either as a gift or a loan. Wait, and this part just caught me. And what? Oh, we're already at 30 minutes. This is going to be a long podcast, I guess. But a loan? What are you talking about? If you have a good job, just pay for stuff in cash. What do you get a loan from your parents? And, you know, that sort of stuff can create possible friction when you have loans. And what is this guy talking about? Goodness. And, then, and this is all the next part of the article with the subheadline. Parents could end up as an enabler. You, you think? You, wow. 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 That, that mind blowing. It can be taken too far, he conceded. No kidding. I'm glad you at least conceded that. I'll give some credit or credit to you. Most professional motivation for our generation is purpose driven, Kirsch said. So even if kids are getting money from their parents, they are still likely to be motivated at work. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, you know, because I'm still motivated, that it's okay. You can give me some money because I'm still motivated at work. I don't care if you're, what, what is it? Who cares? He added one ca caveat. Parents could end up as an enabler if they are giving too much money. Again, no kidding. But this is, that's some terrible, 
this stuff is this is terrible stuff. Terrible. Christine Russell, a senior manager of retirement and annuities at TD Ameritrade, also said there is a possibility of giving kids too much money. Are you borrowing from your parents to fund a lifestyle that you haven't earned yet? She asked. Hey, Christine, there we go. Finally. Yeah. And going back to that whole Netflix thing, which I will just, we're almost at the end of the article, is never addressed. So um, what, what's her name? I think that she was Christine or Kirsten, right? What was it? Christine. So we have Christine with a K and then Christine here um, with a C down at the end here. But remember that word necessity uh, and I'm, I'm trying to save money, but it's a necessity I live at home. But hey, at least I pay for my own Netflix. Why do you even have Netflix? Now, again, I get it. From a, from a, a mathematical, numerical standpoint, Netflix is what, like $8 a month? But there is cost there associated with that. The biggest cost with Netflix, and I probably could do an entire podcast on this, is called opportunity cost. What is opportunity cost? Well, sure, you're just, you're quote unquote, only paying eight bucks a month or 10 bucks a month, whatever it is. But what you're losing out on is as you sit there and watch an hour TV show, a couple hour TV show, that's an hour, that's a couple hours where you could be out, especially in your case, Christine, hustling and doing some work for your freelance uh, you know, journalism. If that's what you wanna do, cool. You wanna be a freelancer, but guess what? Freelancers, you, in other words, you're an entrepreneur. You're trying to build something for yourself. So get out there and build something for yourself. You don't have time to be sitting around watching Netflix. Go out there and hustle. If that doesn't mean, well, I don't have any articles to write. Find an article to write. Go out there, cold call people. Do whatever freelance journalism does. Do whatever they need to do. And I'm pretty sure watching Netflix is not something that's gonna advance your freelancing work. Maybe, you know what? No, 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 Clay, really, there, there's nothing else I can do right now for my freelancing, and I'm pretty sure that's not true. But even if it were true, fine. It sounds like you have a couple hours every evening where you could go out there, deliver some pizzas, do something, because you're the one that says you're trying to save money. So if you're trying to save money and get out of your parents' house, go out there and use that time to create that much more money for yourself. So again, it's not necessarily, well, you know, I have Netflix and I pay for it. Okay, congratulations, you can pay for something that's eight bucks a month. But the mentality, the opportunity cost there, there's a disconnect between all these things saying what you wanna do, what you're trying to do. I wanna be out by 30, I wanna be a freelance writer but yet I'm spending some of my time sitting there and watching Netflix. If all of what you said is truly true, then you should be saying, well, I mean, I don't have Netflix. Not because I can't afford it, but because I just don't have the time for it. Why don't you have the time? Because I am hustling and grinding for these other areas of life. But that's never brought up. The author never makes that point. And at the end, going back to this whole thing, yeah. I love the question, are you borrowing from your parents to fund a lifestyle that you haven't earned yet, exactly, earn. Get out there and hustle. Failure to launch can take a toll on young people's self-esteem. My parents aren't pushing me out the door. There's even the question of would they let me, uh, of would they even want me in the city alone, Christine told Market Watch. But she says she's not fine with her current situation and it is frustrating. No, it's, no, you are fine with it. Hence, you sitting around watching Netflix in your parents' house. So don't tell me that it's not fine with you, Christine. Yeah, that's a good sound bite. But again, saying and doing, two different things. Christine, if you listen to this, realize there, there, there's opportunity cost that comes with Netflix. I just want to have something that I've earned, she said. 
I wish I was paying my parents' phone bill and cable. Not the other way around, but that just isn't the case right now. So Christine, and that's how the article ends. That's great. I, I applaud that goal that, you know what? I, I wish I could be paying my phone or my parents' phone bill and cable. And you know what? You can, Christine. I, I'm not gonna say you, you can't, but you're not acting in a way that's showing that you actually feel and you actually want to do that. If you wanted to do that, guess what? That hour or a couple hours or whatever, you're, you're having Netflix. Well, Clay, it's only like an hour a week. Okay, fine, that four hours a month, that four hours a month, you know, you could be, let's be serious, Netflix, it's more than four hours a month. But let's say that four hours, you could be doing something with your time that would get you that much closer to that, that I would say that very noble goal. I think that's a great goal to want to pay your parents' phone bill and cable. But I mean, you could be doing stuff outside of that to, to get to that area. So going back to here, I, I was rather than, what is going on? Why, how did this person keep, you know, this whole Netflix thing? And they never addressed the fact that, you know, Christine is saying all this stuff about wanting to accomplish this, that, and the other, but yet she's got Netflix? So like I said, um, I, I did some uh, art, uh, research on this. And um, first off, this person seems to be very accomplished in their young life from, uh, um, from LinkedIn. But yeah, they're uh, right now an intern, which is fine. That's great. I did an internship. That's awesome. Uh, but they're an intern. In other words, they're still in college. And they have, uh, you know, going through a bunch of, I mean, good stuff. They're at Columbia. So that's Ivy League school. So clearly this author is, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's a bright young man. And congratulations. Uh, but, you know, you have... I guess, according to the stats, he would be Generation Z. So you have Generation Z writing this article. And I mean, I'm guessing this person maybe probably has Netflix or probably you know, just the point being, this is not being written by somebody that's really experienced much of life, that it's really ex experienced um, really anything. They're, they're still in college. And in hindsight, yeah, when I was in college, what? What was going on? Now, granted, like I said, I was married my, my final year of college and, and that'll kick your butt into gear real fast. But still, you know, just um, you got to keep in mind who's writing these articles. And it makes sense why this person just threw in so many of these quotes and resources and it just didn't kind of click with them. Like, wait a second. Even if you have a great job, still try to get as much money from your parents as possible. Wait, how, how could you read that and be like, what are you talking about? But, you know, this, uh, basically this has been this article trying to justify and trying to say why it's totally okay to be financially dependent on their parents. It's probably financially dependent on their parents right now. So this was just like a big uh, justification piece on their part for their peace of mind on why it's okay to be still dependent on their parents. But always interesting when you do a little bit of research. And again, I that's fine. I get it. We all have motives for writing things. This person's motive was clearly ju a justification piece on their end, but the justification that they're using, especially that whole rents are rising, New York City and San Francisco are gonna be my sources. Goodness, I mean, what, what is that really? A, a, that, that, that doesn't really make much sense, but overall, yeah. Um, if I can challenge you and your thought process in some of these ways. Now, if you're still listening right now, I'm sure that uh, you, we are definitely on the same page when it comes to, you know, the way you kind of view life and, you know, just that whole necessity where, I don't know, is that actually necessary? Um, and can, but who knows, maybe if you still disagree with me and you're still here, I applaud you. I, I appreciate the fact, I thank you 
for just having an open mind and hearing me out. And I mean, you can always reach out to me, Clay at moneywithclay.com, if you, if you wanna totally disagree with me. Uh, but there's, uh, there's ways around a lot of these perceived problems out there. And yeah, it does take parenting. It does take, hey, little kid, you might wanna think twice about that college degree because have you even looked into the job market? Because there, there is really no job market for it. And if you're gonna go $100,000 into debt to get a degree in a job field that is essentially non-existent, from a mathematical standpoint, that doesn't make much sense. So you, you shouldn't do that. I mean, parenting can go a long way in, in many of these situations. But that's all I have. If you're still here, I mean, we're 40 minutes in. Uh, thank you very much for hanging out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I still want to keep ranting and raving with this, but I think I've made my point. So everybody take care and I will see you back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I want to just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I, I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.